Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, the first chapter, the first to the third verse. The reading is also in your bulletins. If you're able, please stand for the reading of the word. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Jesus Christ and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you, our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. No other name. Um, it's amazing. You think about how great our God is. And you begin to think about how the enemy is a hater and wants to destroy uh, everything that God has created, um, how he wants to destroy everything that is um, that you're working toward especially when you're doing it in Jesus' name. And so I was reminded, I was telling the, our, our AV team uh, this morning that, you know, the enemy was messing with the system this morning. And I said, it's okay, because I studied. Uh, and so although we might have some technical difficulties, God is still in control. And um, if I'm correct, if the Bible is accurate, Paul didn't have an iPad. Uh, so, I'm going to be all right, as long as you're praying for me, amen? amen. Uh, let us bow. Father God, we come to you right now just saying thank you. We thank you for your undeserved grace. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your patience. We thank you for your mercy. And Lord, we thank you ultimately for your love. Your love, Lord, we thank you so much for loving us. We ask that you would have your way with this sermon this morning, Father God, that you would prick our hearts, Father God, that you would begin to break us down and building us back up with your word, Father God. May I hide behind your cross, Lord, and your people not see me, but to see thee, Lord. I thank you for everything that you're doing. I thank you for all the families represented here. We ask that you would touch our pastor in this absence and the first lady, Lord. Protect them from the enemy, protect them from themselves, Father God. We thank you for everything that you will do. And we pray with expectancy right now, Father God, that you would deliver a word for your people. That you would deliver a word that uh, would break the chains, Father God. That we would have victory in you. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So, um... As you've heard, I've had some technical difficulties, but it's all right um, because, like I said, God is, is with me. And if you would work with me for a moment, you can still hear my voice, amen? Uh, see, I came prepared, too, because I thought, I said, what, what? You know, what if something happens and, and I don't have what I need? And God said, it's okay, it's, I'm, I'm going to be with you. But just in case, <laughs> just in case. Um, and so I've heard some of the, the, the mutters 
I've heard some of the conversations my brothers and sisters have been having about being in our new space. Um, and I know some of us are torn. Some of us like, uh, would rather be on the other side. And some of us like this side. And so um, I thought that it was perfect, it, it fits perfect with today's sermon because uh, Paul was addressing some issues that the uh, Corinthian church was having. And he addressed some of the issues, some of the issues that they were having, uh, one, was a, one of them was division amongst the body. And so as we get into the text today, um, I was reminded that we should center ourselves in the love of God. The decisions that we make should be rooted in love and patience for one another. And that's what the scripture says. And so as I thought about that, I was like, okay, so giving to, oh, look, see, look at that. Mm-hmm. It's all right. Um, as I thought about the, the text and everything that is going on, uh, not just here, but uh, across the nation, I thought about how as Christians, we've been called to live a different life. We've been called to live a different life and not in ourselves, but in that of the spirit of God. And so our text today is going to be coming, if we could get the next slide, it's coming from the, uh, the book of 1 Corinthians, and one of the, the scriptures that I wanted to highlight out of the text, out of verses 1 through 3 in the first chapter, was the text right here that says, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord, Jesus the Christ their Lord and ours. Next slide, please. And when I thought about that, <laughs> and hit, hit the uh, slide, maybe what, three times? Let me see. There we go. Another one. There we go. And one more time. All right, so as I thought about the, the Corinthian letter and I thought about what God has called us to do, Paul was minding his business, and he got a letter and the letter read that we're having some issues in Corinth. And the, Corinth was a, was a rich place. It was the port. So a lot of people uh, would visit Corinth, and a lot of people stayed there, and there was a lot of false idols, and there were people worshiping false gods. And some of those people who were worshiping false gods were believers, were Christians. And so... The question that God posed to me was, how do you deal with your problems? How do you deal with your problems? Paul received a letter with all these issues. He had all these problems that the church at Corinth, uh, in Corinth was facing. And I asked myself, how would I have responded to some of those problems? Would I have been like this gentleman right here, excited? Yes. More problems. <laughs> Just what I've been waiting on. What I've been happy. What I've tried to drink myself to sleep so I don't have to deal with it. Or would I have simply just been depressed and said, you know what, I'm just sick to my stomach. I won't face this issue. I'm not going to deal with it at all. Or, like Michael Jordan, 
the meme of Michael Jordan, the infamous meme of Michael Jordan that's all across the world right now. You may have seen it in different uh, categories, but we know that here he was filled with tears. And so I thought about how would I respond to these problems that the Corinthian church were facing. And we have to respond differently if we are in the Lord. If we belong to Jesus Christ, then our response should be different. And so when I thought about the text, the scripture reminded me that this letter is about learning to think about every area of life through the lens of the gospel. This letter is about learning to think about every area of life through the lens of the gospel. So when it comes to your problems, your issues in your life, do you view them in the lens of the gospel? Or do you view them from your own emotion or logic? And so some of the Corinthians, the believers, mind you, I have to keep reminding us that this letter was addressed to believers. This letter was addressed to those who belong and confessed Jesus Christ, which means that as Christians, we are not without blame. We are not perfect. And like I said, we're going to go into some of the topics that, um, some of the issues that, they, that the Corinthian church were facing, but I want you to think about this, this uh, quote right here that says, love seeks the well-being of others. Some of the issues that the Corinthian church were having was because their issues were not, right, their, their uh, desire to serve were not, their interest was not in the well-being of others, it was in themselves. Their interest was caught up in themselves, it was selfish. And so there's five problems we're going to address today. Five problems, again, this is just overview, right? So I won't spend too much time in each topic, but this is, the, uh, we broke it down into five problems that the Corinthian church were facing. Number one was division. The body was divided amongst itself because they were having issues with each other, and again, it was because of selfish reason. Two, they were having sexual issues. What? They were having sexual issues, yes. The Corinthian church were having issues with sex. Number three, food. And not in the sense of, you know, I like Popeyes, you like Wingstop, or you like KFC, and I like, you know, churches. No, it was food that was sacrificed to idols. The Corinthians were having an issue, and they were confused. They were eating food that was sacrificed to idols, and Paul was writing to correct their issues and uh, giving uh, a proper response. Then they were, uh, they had, they were other issues with their gathering. When they would come together, there was some dysfunction. And so Paul has to address how they should gather, gather with one another. Remember, we should be caught up in the interests of others. It should be rooted in love. And the Corinthian church was caught up in themselves and doing what they wanted to please them. And then lastly, uh, one of the issues that they faced in, in the book of 1 Corinthians was the resurrection. Some Christians were teaching that the resurrection was false and never happened. And so Paul has to address and correct the Corinthian church because this is a big issue. Us today, all of us believers today, have put our faith in Christ's resurrection. And if there's no resurrection, then there's no life. 
And so the first problem, let's get into it. It says, 1 Corinthians, and what I've done is through each text and each problem, so we have division, we have the, uh, the problem of sex, we have the problem of food, gathering, and the resurrection. So what I did was I pulled out some scriptures that I thought spoke to the, the, to the topic or the problem that they were having. And so this first one, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the first, first four chapters in the 1 Corinthian book, the first four chapters, Paul is addressing the problem of division. He commits to four chapters. He says that, brothers and sisters, I cannot address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who, still, who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? So the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes it grow. So their first problem was that the Corinthian church had these, these, these uh, leaders, which was Paul and Apollos, and we know in, that chapter, uh, in Acts chapter 18, Paul had went to Corinthia. He had went to Corinth, and he was spreading the gospel. He was preaching. And so what happened was there was a following, naturally, city church, right? When pastor starts to preach, we began to gather around him because we identified with, the, the, with, with Christ and, and what pastor was preaching, and we said, yes, we love our pastor, right? And so the Corinthian church was doing the same thing, but there was an issue. They were so caught up in the, in the preacher that they were forgetting about God. So it says that, and I thought about that, I said, wow, if, if I could be transparent, would, if I got that letter, Pastor Nate, you know, remember when you were preaching and people were coming and, and, and lives were being changed and lives were being saved? Uh, all those people, they're now starting to rock with somebody else. Remember the, the, the year and the time and the hours that you spent ministering to them? They're not rocking with you no more. They're rocking with Apollos. How would I respond to the word? How would I respond to this problem? Paul responded with love and with warning. Paul wasn't concerned about the number of his followers, but where his followers aligned with Christ. See, as Christians, it's easy for us because the human nature wants us to, we are, we've been created to worship. That's why we can go to football games, to hockey games, to, to, to sports, and we can cheer and we can praise, and some of us might even cry. Because we were created to worship, and the problem is we begin to worship the creation rather than the creator. So the Corinthian church was so caught up in Paul and Apollos that they couldn't see God. And so Paul, who was rooted in the Spirit, said, who am I, who is Apollos, but nobody but servants? All we are is vessels in which you have come to be saved. Rooted in love and warning. It wasn't because, and see, I thought about pastors today. If we're not careful, we might get caught up in, oh, they're not rocking with me no more. Well, what can I do to earn them back? It's not about you. 
I tell when I go out and I do my uh, keynote presentations and we're working with young people, I often remind the educators and teachers that as much as it's about you, it's not about you. Because a lot of times as teachers and educators, we can get flustered and frustrated and say, well, I don't have this and I can't do this. And as much as it's about you, it's not about you. It's about our young people. And so just as much as it's about a Paul and it's about Apollos, it's not about them. It's about Christ. So the question that we have to ask ourselves today is, do you put Jesus as the center of your actions? Are you more worried about your followers or the followers of Christ? Are you worried about the likes that you're getting on Facebook, the likes that you're getting on Instagram, the views that you're getting on Snapchat? Are you more concerned about, do the people see God in me? Do the people see God in me? I've, I've fallen victim. If I'm transparent, I've fallen victim. Looking to see how many likes I've gotten on a post and realize, mm, ain't that something? I thought that was an amazing text. I thought that was going to get at least 30 likes. Didn't get one. And the one I did get was from my mama or my wife with a sympathy like. Let me go in and just like this because nobody else did. So as Christians, our actions, are they rooted in love? Are we more concerned about the gospel, right? Are we viewing our problems through the lens of the gospel? And Paul did a great job of saying that the division, right, you are worldly. This is what the world gets caught up in. But as Christians, we should be operating differently because neither I nor Apollos died for you, but only Jesus Christ. So our attention and our love and our desire, our true following should be that of that of that person who is following Jesus. So if I'm not following Christ, if I'm not teaching Christ, it doesn't matter. We are just vessels. That's what the text says. So the first problem was division. Uh, the next problem, help me, Lord. The next problem um, was sex. Um, Pray for me. So we're going to have the, the enemy working, but it's all right. Um, the next issue was sex. And so we see that, that I have to remind you of who Paul was, was addressing. Paul was addressing believers. Paul was addressing believers. He was talking to Christians about sex? Yes. Paul was addressing the issue that the uh, Corinthian church was having. And they were caught up in, 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 in acts of sin and sexual morality that they shouldn't be caught up in. And so Paul, what Paul does is address the issue. And he says, and these are two uh, texts that stood out to me. And it says, 1 Corinthians 5, 1, it says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tele- tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife, and you are proud. I thought to myself, Lord, these are Christians. These are people who received the word of God. These are people who who seen miracles. They seen, they seen people get healed by Paul's handkerchief. People were sick and Paul would touch a handkerchief and give it to him and say, take it back to the family. When they touch it, they're going to be healed. These were those same people 
that were caught up in sexual sin and sexual immorality. And it says not only were they caught up in the sexual immorality, they were proud of it. And, not, and then he says not only were they proud of it, but see, the problem is pagans don't even act like that. Unbelievers say, hey, man, you shouldn't be sleeping with my wife. It's not okay. Even pagans think that's not all right. But the believers were like, it's okay, because we are free in Christ. See, this is what happens when you have a preacher who doesn't know the word. Some were preaching that it was okay, because we are free in Christ. Because Christ has died for our sins, we can do what we want. But Paul says, no, that's, that's, that's a problem. He says that flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body. Uh-oh. There we go. Uh-oh. <laughs> our, uh, all sins are commits outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. See, the, the issue that the reason this was such a big issue was because as Christians, the world, one of the biggest ways that the world recognizes us is through how we behave. And specifically, how Christians behave sexually. Think about that. Many issues in some of the, the, the conversations that you've had as a believer is that people have had a problem with sex. They were wrestling with sexual temptation. And so the Corinthian church was no different than city church. We are human, and so therefore we have this issue that we need to address. And so what does Paul say? Paul says, flee from sexual immorality. Don't walk. Don't crawl from it. Flee. Run. Don't entertain it, because we know that when we begin to play and entertain sin, it's only a matter of time before we fall. And so Paul is saying to the Corinthians, out of love, flee from sexual immorality. Don't you know that your body, your body, your body was bought at a price? Jesus Christ died for your body. And now, not only did he die for your body, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. It is a temple. Some of us would think, for me, I would never, I would never have sex in this sanctuary. I would never do such a thing because that's, that's downright disgusting. That's vile. That's wicked. But he says, don't you know? that your body is more sacred than this sanctuary? Your very body houses the Holy Spirit? And some of the Christians, the issues that they were having was they were having sex with prostitutes near the temple that they are these false gods. Because again, they were like, we're free. Jesus died for me so I can do what I want. And Paul was saying, no, that's an issue. It's an issue we should be operating differently. So flee from sexual immorality because you were bought at a price. 
and the world recognizes you by your actions. Third problem was food. The third problem was food. It says, so then, about eating food sacrificed to idols. We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one, but, but one God, the Father from whom all things came and from whom all we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through him we live. So what was Paul saying right here? He was saying that the reality, and this is how I, I like how he broke this down, because I, I've read this text a lot of times. But there was something about when I just read it uh, the other night and was studying, and I said, wow, it's very simple. He says, this is the reality. As a Christian, we know that there's only one true God. But the problem is, the world thinks there's, that there's other gods. But the fact that you know that there's one God, you're all right. But the issue is, again, the world is sacrificing this food to false idols, and what happens is they're going to begin to think that there is another God if you partake. So the, the, the issue at all, is, so what he says is that these things happen, um, going in, looking at the text as a Christian, what he was getting to with the, was the root was, if this is going to cause the next person to stumble or to fall, right, to, 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 to be confused, then I shouldn't partake in this food. But if you read the chapter, he says that as a Christian, as a believer, God is the creator of everything. And if I bless this food to God, I'm fine. But my, the conscience of the unbeliever, they don't know where I am. See, I understand and serve the true God. But they're sacrificing food to false gods, so you shouldn't eat of it. Because then you're going to confuse them and lead them down a path of confusion, right? So as a Christian, the problem isn't that we should abstain from certain foods, right? And some of us will, some of us today, and I know certain people who don't eat this food because the Bible says this, and there are food, right, as, as a black man, there's certain food I shouldn't be eating. Wingstop all the time, right? Because high blood pressure, right? High cholesterol, things, these things run in my family. But on the flip, if I bless my food, if I say, Lord, this wing stop, <laughs> Lord, you bless me with the money. You bless the, 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 the chef to fry these wings. But I'm going to give all glory and thanks to you, right? Then I'm all right. But we have a natural response as well because our health, again, the temple See, the issue that Paul was addressing was really that this is our temple. And how we conduct ourselves is how the world will view us. And how, we're, how, how the world is viewing us has a lot to say as, um, as if how the world is viewing us pushes people away from Christ, then maybe we should abstain from certain things. So Paul says that the food was an issue, and this is how he is... Uh, correcting them out of love. We see in uh, 1 Corinthians 
10, he says that these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. A lot of times we forget that God is always with us. God always offers a way out, but it's up to us to choose it. See, the big issue isn't that I can't overcome this thing. I can't beat this thing. The issue is that you don't want to. Because if you really wanted to put your trust, if you put your trust and your belief and you work, give it your all, you can overcome because Christ and Jesus, he, did, he said, I have overcome the world. But a lot of times we don't operate in that faith because we don't want to put in the work. That's the reality. It's not that I can't beat this. It's just that I don't want to put in the work. Or another issue that uh, Christians have, and we'll get in. You can go to the next. Uh, we'll go into the next slide. And when it comes to this gathering thing, is when we think about Christians, a lot of times we operate in our emotions and logic. But more often, we operate out of emotion. We do or don't do things because of our emotions. Not because Jesus loved me and he died for me, but because if I do this, people might think this. My feelings might get hurt. So a lot of times we operate out of emotions. And so in this text right here, the, other, the fourth problem that they had was gathering. When they would come and they were gathering Paul had to address how they should operate together. He begins with the perfect sentiment, follow my example as I follow Christ. Follow my example as I follow Christ. Think about that. How many of us are living by that motto? Follow me, but only as I'm following Christ. Or is it follow me regardless of what I'm doing? Follow me. Christ says, follow me as I follow Christ. He says, and this is one of our our Lord's Supper scriptures, and it says, he tells the Corinthians that, "For for I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took it, the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So the Corinthian church, the problem that they were having was they would come together, they would gather, and some of the issues were they were eating and partying, and there was no order, and it was chaotic, and Paul was saying there should be order when Christians come together. Because if there's no order, if I'm a new believer, or if I walk in off the street and there's no order, and everybody's doing what they want, I'm going to turn around and walk out. And so Paul addresses this issue, and he says that what I receive from Christ, I give to you. What I told you when I was in Corinth is how you should behave yourselves. How we operate together, there should be order. 
we know that pastor is a civil engineer by vocation. And so there's order, order, right? When we began to work and restore City Church and there was on, working on the building, there was order. He didn't just have everybody doing whatever they wanted to. He tackled it one thing at a time, which got us to this place where we are today. But more importantly, he prayed. He prayed for direction. He prayed for resources, right? So that, that he would, you know what, God, I know that this is your thing. So let me pray to you to figure out how to, how to work this thing out. And so as Christians, when we gather together, and another issue that they were having was they were arguing over the gifts. The gifts, you know, preaching and teaching and praying and laying on hands and prophesying right? Speaking in tongues. And they were arguing and they were fighting over it. And Paul says, look, speaking in tongues is fine. But if there's no interpreter, and if I walk in and I hear you speaking in tongues, which is fine, but there's no interpreter, nobody to tell me what you're talking about, I'm just as lost now as when I've walked in. So as a Christian, how are you behaving your actions? See, again, as a Christian, I should be more concerned about the well-being of others than myself. And the Christians were more concerned about what they wanted to do rather than those around them, which was causing the quarrels and the arguments within the body. And then he tells them that, look, I'm going to break it down for you, uh, Corinthians. We are the body of Christ. And we all have different functions. One is an arm, one is a foot. But because one is a foot and one is an arm, we should not say, well, I'm just going to do my own thing. No, you belong to one body. And together is how you're going to accomplish tasks. The hands can't say to the feet, Right? Like, hey, uh, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to walk over here. No, it doesn't operate. It doesn't work that way. So Paul addresses them on a fundamental level and says, you are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. City Church, we are the body of Christ. And everybody has different functions. Some it is preaching. Some it is teaching. Some it is prophesying. Some it is laying on hands. Some it is AV. Some of it is singing. That's not my thing. So if I can't sing while I'm up here trying to be seen, that's not my thing. That's not my calling. That's not my gift. So, but if we operate in our gifts. See, Paul was saying that if we operate in our gifts, we'll see a difference. Lives will be saved because we're operating in our gifts. But when we're more concerned about me and doing what I want to do, it's a problem. Um, yesterday, me and my wife were having an issue. I'm going to walk over here. <laughs> Pray for me. Me and my wife were having an issue. And I thank God we had a mediator, Gene. Gene was the mediator, and he said, this is your problem. So first of all, you don't know nothing. No, nobody asked you anything. He said, well, I'm going to say it anyway. It's all right. So he began to tell us what our issue was. And so we were back and forth, back and forth. 
And I seen the issue. And this is what Paul was addressing. I was so caught up in me and my perspective and what I thought was right that I didn't see hers. And it was funny because as I was, we were going back and forth, I was in my text for today. And God said, wow, you still don't get it. I've been giving you this word because I wanted you to get it. And this would have prevented that argument you got in. But you didn't get it. And so it hit me. It says that, wow, just like Paul was telling the Corinthian church, if you operate in the will, in the interest of others, before yourself, things will go a lot better. Nathan, if you operate in the interest of Erica, some of the issues that you have will be eliminated. And all I could do was sit there and say, you're right, Lord. And Erica, <laughs> you're right. If I put my, if I put her, or if I put the well-being of others, and it's amazing, right? God reminded me that it's so easy for us to forget that. We might operate like that with our coworkers, with our friends, but sometimes with the people closest to us, it's hard to do that. And so sometimes the people closest to us will look at us and be like, hmm, it's funny that you out there saying that. But last week, when I asked you, I'm not going to incriminate myself anymore. All the brothers in here like, man, you, you right, because I, I thought, I mean, I was, you know, I'm a man, so I want to be right sometimes, sometimes, you know. And there's been times where I've humbled myself. There's times where, and I'm telling you, fellas, I'm telling you. You ladies, you got one now. I'm, it's time for the fellas now. When you humble yourself, when you humble yourself, and as a man, it's hard to do. When you say, Lord, I know I'm right right now. I want her to know that I'm right right now, but I'm not going to say nothing. There we go. I got one. I got one, right? I'm not going to say nothing right now because I know that it's not going to bring about the righteousness that you're seeking. So I'm going to shut up. I'm going to bite my tongue and I'm going to pray. Because God, that's your daughter. That's your child. And I need you to work it out. And every time, Jeremy, Nate, every time, when I operate in the spirit, God moves. I get that text. Or I get that call. Right? And I'm not just talking about with my spouse. I'm talking about real life situations on your job when you want to respond in your flesh because they don't send you an email for the last time. And you want to say, you know what? I'm about to come over to your cubicle and I'm about to slap fire from you. I know what I know Paul said, I know what Jesus said, but I want to do me right now. But when you walk in the Spirit, and you say, God, okay, Lord, I'm trying to, you know that I'm a, they, they know I'm a Christian. I represent you. I need you to get them. 
when you pray, I, I was dealing with a situation, and um, my wife knows that at work, you know, some of the political stuff in, in the office is just, you know, I don't like this person because they did this, and I'm not one for that, right? I'm just wondering, did you tell them? Why are you telling me? Right? People think that I'm rude. or just like, no, just like, why are you telling me? I can't, unless you're going to go over, we can go together. Like, I can be, but I don't have time to be dealing with this, right? And so I said, Lord, you know, you know the situation. You know what I want to do. There was one person I was working with that, um, can I be honest with y'all? I need to let this out. They say confession is good for the soul. Um, I wanted to set this person up to get beat up. I was telling my teens, my teens know. I, was, I wanted to set this person up, Naila, like, to get beat up. And, when, and this is, I, I had it all, I thought it all out. I had a master plan. I said, okay, I'm going to have some. I'm going to call them. They're going to go, and then they're going to meet them here at the office, and they're going to beat them up. But I'm going to run out and be like, hey, 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 what are you doing beating them up? Stop it. Don't do it, right? And then I'm going to look like the good guy, but on the inside, I'm going to be like, yes, right? <laughs> then I had this, I had it thought out. I'd be watching Power, right? They be, this is the type of stuff you be seeing on TV. I'm like, I'm ghost. I'm about to, we're going to work this, we're going to work this out. And God said, uh-uh. That's, that's not what I called you to do. That's not, you are not a good representation of me. Right? So don't do that. Let me deal with it. But God, you're moving too slow. They still here. I need you to move, not like right now, but right now. God said, my time. My time. And it's amazing when I submitted to God that he began to move people out of the way. At just the right time. When I thought I couldn't take no more, God said, I got you. So as Christians, and when they were gathering together, the Corinthian church, we should be more concerned about the well-being of others. And so if it's going to cause division, if, if, if I want my way and I get my way, but if it doesn't do an overall good or if we're, it divides more people, then what good is it that I've accomplished and got what I wanted? But if I think about the interests of others and how this is beneficial for everybody and I am willing to sacrifice my own personal interests, God is there to reward me. But it takes faith. It takes studying. It takes praying. And so our last uh, problem that the Corinthian church had was the resurrection. The Corinthians didn't believe that the resurrection had happened and was an issue of importance. And so Paul writes them and says, for what I received... I pass unto you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and that then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. Though some of you, some of them have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. So he says that, look, I want you to know, Corinthians, that 
Christ did die. And if we don't believe that he died for us, we're in trouble. Because if he didn't die, that means he wasn't buried. And if he wasn't buried, that means that he didn't go into the grave and conquer death. And if that didn't happen, we are still living in sin. This is a huge deal because Jesus is the victory. Jesus is the conqueror of death. And if there's no victory over death, then that means there's no victory over sin. And if there's no victory over sin, then we are hell-bound. It is important, Christians, that we wrestle and understand the Word of God. He was saying that, look, in order for us to really have victory, to really have fellowship, Christ is the center. He is the, the, the thread that brings us all together. And if he didn't die buried, and was raised, then we still are living in sin, which is a sad fact. But he says this, 1 Corinthians 15, 20, 22, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep for since death came through a man, talking about Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. So what he was telling them is that because we have put our trust in Christ, and we know that through Adam, through the, 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 the one who sinned first, we all die. Because of the one who sinned first, we all die, but because of Christ, we all live. So we see that there was five problems. We had a problem with uh, division, we had a problem with uh, food, we had a problem with sex, we had a problem with gathering, we had a problem with the resurrection, and if we look at the text, Jesus Christ was the answer and solution to all five problems. But it can only, right, he can only be the solution to our problems as we're viewing our issues through the lens of the gospel. That's the issue and the disconnect with many of us today is we're not viewing our issues, our tragedies, our trials, our tribulations through the view of the gospel. I can't tell you how many times I've thought to myself, I've gotten bad news or I was uh, upset and frustrated and I had to check myself and ask myself, what is God up to? What is God doing? Because I can't help to associate all the trivia, all the issues, everything in my life to the gospel. And somehow, because the Bible tells me in Romans 8 that God works out everything for my good. And if he's working out everything for my good, that means death, that means tragedy, that means bills, that means everything is being worked out for my good if I love God. But a lot of times we have that disconnect. We don't view it as such, which is why we don't conquer some of our situations, is because we're not viewing God as the source, right, to the solution. So as a believer, as a Christian, we have all have a challenge. City Church, my prayer is that we would view all of our issues, whether it's with one another, whether it's with our family members, we would view them in the lens of the gospel. Because Souls are at stake. And a lot of times we forget that. Souls are at stake, but when I understand that a soul is at stake, I operate differently. They don't know, my teens don't know, but last week I didn't want to be here. So 
I don't want to do, teach teens. I don't, I'm tired. I just want to go in there, enjoy my own thing. I want to come in and hear a word for myself. But I said, souls are at stake. God is going to hold me accountable for what I'm pouring in to my teens. And so with that being understood, the way I operate is different. That's what empowers me to keep moving forward. It's the power of God. Okay, Lord, I can't do it in my own strength because, you know, I'm tired and I'm weak right now. But when I lean on you, I'm strong. And I would like to challenge my teens if they could tell me that, I, that, that they could tell that I was different or that I was sad last week. Because it was God who says, I got you. God waits around for us to hit the God button. He wants to come in and swoop down, and he wants to be used in our situations. But a lot of times, we're holding them back. We're fighting. No, I, I got it. What would happen if we let God into every aspect of our lives, into the, into the sexual part of our lives, into the financial part of our lives, into, the work, into our work lives, right? What would happen if we invited God in to operate through every aspect of our lives? I would tell you, change would happen. Change would happen. And not just a temporary change, I'm talking about an eternal change. So as a Christian, we have, we will always have problems. We will always. Matter of fact, Jesus himself says, in this life, you will have problems. But fret not for I'm with you. So in this world, in this, in this time, City Church, we will have issues. We will have problems. We will have tragedy, but God will be with us. God is able to overcome if we allow him to work through us. Amen? So I encourage and I challenge all of you to accept the call to allow God to live through you. We have to submit. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for allowing us to see today. We thank you for the word, Father God. We ask that you would begin to reign in our lives and allow us to concentrate and focus on you, Father God, that we may see you in all of our circumstances, that we may see you in all of our tragedy. May we see you in all of the 